Welcome to Brush Up. Brush Up, your refresher on iconic historical events, fun facts, and much more. Stay tuned. I'm Roberto. I'm Judy. I'm from Quito, Ecuador. And I'm an American from France. We are both history enthusiasts. And today, we've whipped up some of our favorite facts about the Vietnam War. Here is your Brush Up. Today's episode will cover three main parts. First, we'll talk about the groundwork that was laid for the Vietnam War. Then, the U.S. involvement on the ground. And finally, the turning point that led to the end of the conflict. So let's start by going way back. The territory of modern-day Vietnam was occupied by China between 111 BC until 938 AD, and then partly until 1885. Napoleon III, who was the president and then the last monarch of France, wanted to expand France's territory in Asia. So by 1880, he had conquered many territories including modern-day Vietnam, Laos and Cambodia, and the area was known as the French Indochina. It was not until World War II, six decades later, that the situation shifted in the region. Japan tried to invade French territory in Southeast Asia, including Vietnam. While being occupied by Nazi Germany, it was really difficult for France to fight back and retain the occupied territory. Therefore, the Japanese actually managed to occupy some of the land in French Indochina. For some time already, an independent movement had been slowly growing inside and outside of Vietnam, spearheaded by Ho Chi Minh. Ho Chi Minh was born in French Indochina. He eventually took work as a cook aboard a ship and ended up traveling the world. He spent some time in France and the US learning about politics and realizing that living conditions were much better than back home. He started sympathizing with the French Communist Party because at the time, they were more inclined to end imperialism. Ho Chi Minh actually tried to advocate for Vietnam's independence to the French, but he didn't have much success. So he then spent some time in the Soviet Union and China to learn about communism. And then he grew his movement from outside French Indochina in Southeast Asia because he was flagged by the French and unable to return to his homeland for some time. Let's come back to World War II. When France was occupied by the Nazis, Ho Chi Minh found the perfect opportunity to make a move. In 1941, he went back to French Indochina with the objective of leading the countries to independence. He formed the Viet Minh in the north of the country, also called the League of Independence of Vietnam. Basically, a revolutionary force of guerrilla whose intent was to unite Vietnam under a communist regime and get rid of the French and Japanese occupying forces. So one interesting fact is that actually because of its alliance with the USSR during World War II, the U.S. provided support to the communist Viet Minh against the Japanese. In exchange, the Vietnam actually provided the U.S. with intelligence about the activities of the Japanese. And you'll quickly realize that the cooperation between the Viet Minh and the U.S. ended with the end of World War II. If you want to learn more, go listen to our episode about World War II. At the conclusion of World War II, the Japanese had to give up occupied territory in Southeast Asia, so the French regained their lost territory one more time. However, at this point, Ho Chi Minh had gained a lot of support for his independence movement in the north, and on September 1945, he established the Independent Democratic Republic of Vietnam. The capital was Hanoi in the north of the country, and Ho Chi Minh was the president. Actually, on the day that he declared independence, he made a speech that started with exactly the same words as the U.S. Declaration of Independence, which is pretty ironic for the establishment of a communist country. On their end, the French were intent on keeping the territory, so they fought back in what is known as the First Indochina War, starting in 1946. 
The war pitted the French against the Viet Minh, and although it was fought mostly in the northern Vietnam, in the Tonkin region, it extended into the territories of Laos and Cambodia. After World War II, on the other side of the world, with the growing threat of the communist Soviet Union and the Cold War looming, the U.S. adopted a policy of containment. This was based on the fear of the domino effect theory, which suggested that if one country fell to communism, others in the region would soon follow. So after World War II in 1949, Eisenhower worked on the establishment of NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. He was really intent on protecting the rest of the world from the threat of communism. And notably, France became an important NATO member to fight for this cause. So by 1950, the U.S. actually offered help to the French to fight against the Viet Minh in Vietnam. At first, the French made some progress. In 1949, they set up Saigon as the capital in the south, with the objective of keeping them as a close ally to the west. But after years of fighting, the Viet Minh wore down the French. And in May 1954, the Battle of Dien Bien Phu marked the end of the First Indochina War. The UN met that same year to negotiate the Geneva Agreement, which granted a ceasefire for the French to withdraw, and the country of Vietnam was temporarily divided into two portions along the 17th parallel, the 17th degree of latitude. The North was occupied by the communists in the Democratic Republic of Vietnam that had been established, and they were led by Ho Chi Minh. And the South was established as the Republic of Vietnam, led by Emperor Bao Dai, who had been in power actually since 1925 under the French rule. Under the Geneva Agreement, elections were also to be held in 1956 to decide the fate of the country. In addition, Cambodia and Laos, which had been part of the French Indochina, were given their independence. Now, the U.S.'s involvement on the ground. The same year as the Geneva Agreement also marks the beginning of the Second Indochina War, what we now refer to as the Vietnam War. The U.S. was very intent on defeating the growing threat of communism, and they have their reasons. The Soviet threats from the Cold War were intensifying, and China had just become communist under Mao Zedong Communist Party. So, after the French withdrew, the US, under President Eisenhower, continued to be involved in the North-South fighting by supplying weapons and other resources to the South. Actually, soon after the Geneva Agreement, the US facilitated elections in Vietnam, but only in the South of the country, because they were afraid that the whole country would become communist if they held it statewide. No Dinh Diem, who was supported by the U.S., won those elections. Diem was intent on silencing any communist supporters in the South, and he did so with the help of U.S. training and equipment. In the South, in the 1960s, the National Liberation Front was created with the objective of overthrowing Diem's government and reuniting the country. The military branch of the organization was the Viet Cong, and they started aiding the Viet Minh with their fight for reunification, looking for a communist country. In 1961, American President JFK, John Kennedy, decided to escalate the military presence of the U.S. in South Vietnam, realizing that Diem's government really needed reinforcement. So actually by 1963, the situation was worse. Opposition to Diem had grown very strong, even within his own political party. He was a Catholic and he cracked down a law on Buddhists, making him quite unpopular. So he was actually killed in a coup in 1963. And it was a Buddhist called Nyok Do who took over, but most of the control was actually under a senior general in the Army of the Republic of Vietnam, also named Min. Lots of tough names in this episode. Anyways, let me tell you some interesting facts. In 1971, the Pentagon Papers were released and these were the papers describing the political and military involvement of the U.S. in Vietnam, highlighting many realities that have been unknown to the public. 
The papers revealed that the US had actually supported the coup that removed Diem from power. So kind of controversial how the US pretended to help him, but at the end they were the ones overthrowing him. Another interesting fact that might lead to some conspiracy theories is that JFK was assassinated just three weeks after Diem and was replaced by President Johnson. So at this point, the U.S. was technically not at war in Vietnam, but they were advising and aiding the South Vietnamese, and they even actually had troops on the ground. So essentially, they were kind of fighting. Things, however, escalated greatly on August 2nd, 1964, when the North Vietnamese hit two U.S. ships in international waters in the Gulf of Tonkin. As a response, Congress actually passed the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution, which is what allowed an escalation of the U.S. involvement in Vietnam. So another interesting fact, going back to the Pentagon Papers, they actually revealed that it was likely the U.S. ship that first fired a warning shot against approaching North Vietnamese ships. And years later, U.S. Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara actually suggested that there was never a second physical attack from North Vietnam. So it might have been one attack that was actually initiated by the U.S. that actually led to a resolution for more U.S. involvement. Keeping a lot of Americans, and even me, confused about what really happened in Vietnam. At the onset of the war, the goal of the US was to help the South Vietnamese just enough so they could take over entirely, leading to a sense of disappointment for American troops that they could never make real progress in this war. And then in March 1965, thousands of additional US ground troops were sent to Vietnam by President Johnson. And fun fact, Thailand, Australia, and New Zealand also sent some troops, but much fewer than the US. And on their side, the North Vietnamese were aided by China and the Soviet Union that provided air support mostly. So kind of weird how American politicians actually claimed that they were winning the war, but they just kept sending more and more people to it. Yes, and they were sending people to really, really harsh conditions. The fighting essentially was happening in a dense tropical jungle, which is kind of crazy. The Viet Cong, who were the southern guerrilla communists, were much more knowledgeable and better equipped than the Americans to deal with the environment. They used ambush techniques because they knew the territory and the weather much better. And actually, since 1959, the North had been using what is known as the Ho Chi Minh Trail to transport supplies from the North to the South and vice versa. This trail started in Hanoi in the North and passed in and out of neighboring Laos and Cambodia, making it really difficult for the U.S. to track them down. But the U.S. found a different way to counterattack. They resorted to using Agent Orange, a carcinogen that basically burns the leaves away from the dense jungle, allowing for better visibility. This was a very controversial action because it also burned people and it affected Vietnamese civilians as well as U.S. troops with long-term health effects. Let's wrap up with the turning point that led to the end of the war. So the North kept fighting really intensely, wearing down the Americans. And in January 1968, they hit the U.S. with a massive blow known as the Tet Offensive. The North Vietnamese conducted a surprise attack coordinating with the Viet Cong to attack hundreds of towns all at once in the South. However, the South did fight back and the North was unable to hold down any village for more than two days. But this surprise attack revealed that the U.S. was much less prepared than their enemy and that the war was kind of at a standstill. The war took a big toll on U.S. soldiers who were worn down physically and psychologically. American soldiers were frustrated with the conditions, with no real end in sight. They had low morale, a lot of anger, and many resorted to using drugs to cope. This resulted in a horrible massacre in March 1968 known as the Mill Line Massacre. During a violent streak, U.S. soldiers tortured and killed 500 unarmed Vietnamese, including women and children. The U.S. government covered this up for years. In the end, only one soldier was convicted for a criminal offense, 
Back in the US, people were becoming more and more unhappy with the war, creating a really divided America. The US government kept saying that the war would be won soon, but more troops kept being sent to Vietnam. So what was the reality? The Vietnam War was also the first to be televised. So the harsh images from the war were diffused everywhere in the US, contributing to this anti-war sentiment. Reported in front of a live studio audience. About 25% of American troops were drafted, while the others were volunteers. Ultimately, the draft particularly affected poor people who could not get college deferments. Consequently, the growing civil rights movement played a large role in protesting the war and causing an even more divided America. At that point, with a low approval rating, Johnson tried to change his approach to the war. He began the Paris peace talks in 1968, but they actually didn't reach a clear agreement. And being unsuccessful, he lost the presidency to Nixon. Upon coming into office, Nixon's focus was on de-escalating the U.S.'s involvement in Vietnam. He referred to this as the Vietnamization plan. The U.S. would slowly withdraw troops, continuing to offer aerial bombings and equipment to the South until a complete transition could be made. Nixon started withdrawing troops as early as July 1969, and by the end of that year, the number of ground troops was actually halved. And new peace talks also started in January 1969, as soon as his presidency did. Despite all this political bureaucracy, the war on the ground remained bloody, and it's about the same time that Mi Lai massacre was revealed to the public, so the anti-Vietnam movement was still growing in the US. On November 1969, the largest anti-war demonstration took place in Washington DC, mobilizing 250,000 Americans. Many protests were held in the schools, and some even led to casualties. In September 1969, Ho Chi Minh died of a heart attack and was replaced by Le Duan, but the war certainly did not stop. In 1970, Nixon expanded the war into the neighboring countries of Laos and Cambodia. He bombed those countries with the intent of stopping their supply of weapons and bunkers to the north. But this caused a lot of backlash in the U.S., especially since it was a violation of international law. And they saw this as an escalation of the war. So by 1972, most of the U.S. troops had been already withdrawn, making it the perfect moment for the north to conduct another huge attack referred to as the Eastern Offensive or the Spring Offensive. North Vietnamese troops crossed over the demilitarized zone at the 17th parallel and invaded South Vietnam. Although they were not successful in taking over the country, it gave the negotiating power during the Paris Accord. Later that year, rising tensions were threatening the peace talks as both the US and Vietnam put blame on each other for the war consequences. Leading the US to launch Operation Linebacker 2, a series of bombings on Northern Vietnam, also called the Christmas bombing. Ultimately, peace talks resume after this counterattack. And then finally, early on the next year, the US and the North Vietnamese finally signed the Paris Peace Accord on January 27, 1973. They agreed to a ceasefire, and the last US troops left Vietnam on March 29, 1973, letting the South fend for themselves. Left on their own, they were unable to resist an attack from the North. At that point, they surrendered on April 30th, 1975, and the North captured the southern capital of Saigon and renamed it Ho Chi Minh City, which is still its name today. The next year, the country united under a communist regime called the Socialist Republic of Vietnam. The Vietnamese war took a huge toll. There were over 3 million casualties, of which half were Vietnamese civilians, and 58,000 were American soldiers. Interesting enough, in Vietnam, they called this war the American War due to the consequences of the heavy U.S. involvement. The war destroyed Vietnam's infrastructure and economy. The Vietnamese slowly rebuilt by implementing a free market policy and resuming trade with the U.S. over a decade later. Today, Vietnam remains a socialist republic with a one-party system led by the Communist Party. 
The war also had lasting effects on the U.S. The U.S. actually spent over $120 billion on the war from 1965 to 73. <laughs> Troops suffered huge psychological trauma, and foreign policy was also changed from this war. So you may have noticed that long before Congress actually passed the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution in 1964 that we talked about, which allowed for the escalation of the war in Vietnam, the U.S. before that already had boots on the ground. The War Power Act was passed to limit the U.S. president's ability to initiate or escalate military actions abroad. This act passed despite Nixon's veto, thus limiting the military power of the president, who remained as the commander-in-chief of the U.S. military. So the War Powers Act actually is still controversial to date. Those who are opposed to it argue that the much-needed military flexibility can only be achieved with the executive power and control. And those who are in favor of the act cite the importance of restraining presidential powers. Let us know what you think. So, to sum up our brush up, France had been occupying the territory of modern-day Vietnam since the 19th century, a region called French Indochina at the time. After World War II, the French gained back control of some territory in the area that they had lost to the Japanese. But a revolutionary movement had started in Vietnam, led by communist Ho Chi Minh in the north of the country. Eventually, the communist resistance wore down the French, who left the territory after signing the Geneva Agreement in 1954, dividing the country between the communists in the north and the US-backed south. The US that had helped the French continued their involvement in the conflict by aiding the South. Congress eventually passed the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution allowing the escalation of US involvement in Vietnam. Thousands of Americans were sent to fight in harsh conditions, and over time, anti-war sentiments increased in the US. When Nixon came into power, he started de-escalating the war, removing troops from Vietnam. He did continue bombing the region until both parties signed the Paris Accord that ended US involvement in the war in 1973. Just two years later, the country reunited because the South fell to the Northern Communist regime. That's all we've got for today. We hope you enjoy this history brush up. We started this podcast to make history more fun and accessible. So if you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing and giving us a positive review. We will catch you in the next episode. In the meantime, go share your knowledge with some friends or better yet, share this podcast with them. We love the support.